folks. Call him JT the Barber, JT Thompson, a musician, someone I've known for at least 35 years, the longtime co-host, along with Jim Powell, and creator of the Gimme 10 podcast, which just concluded its multi-year run earlier this month. We just scratched the surface, really, on this intro to JT. He's a husband, a dad. He's got two daughters. He's living the family life, the dad life, and the American dream. I can imagine, you know, he'll be back in a few months to fill in some gaps. You're going to love it. I'm keeping this short and sweet. DanTimePod at gmail.com if you want to send some feedback, send some criticism, if you'd like to be a guest on the show. And you can find me on Instagram, X, Facebook, and YouTube at DanTimePod. Okay, let's get to the conversation. It is JT time. Okay, folks, welcome back to the Dan Time Podcast. I am your host, Dan McArdle. This is uh, an... an re- I'm going to have to start this over. I'm going to get a little sip of water here. Okay, everybody, thanks for listening. You're here. You're back. You're checking out the Dan Time Podcast. I am your host, Dan McArdle. It's a a fun project, a fun experiment that we're doing here, creeping up on episode number 30. I believe this is 29 today. And if you're listening for the first time, great. I, I just, I love the thought, the idea of new listeners, because I haven't said this in several weeks, maybe a few months, but I used to always come out and say, I appreciate you, my friend, as a listener. You're driving, you're running, you're cleaning up the kitchen. How many times are you listening to a podcast and they take a second to just say thanks? You've got, there are thousands of podcasts out there, and I appreciate you. And my guest today, I'm going to get into in, a, in just a minute. Uh, he knows what I'm talking about. This is, this podcast started kind of as a joke uh, to see how far I could take it. I had this silly idea where I thought, what if I just talked to other Dans in the world and Dan talking to Dan. That's kind of cool. I wanted to do a podcast. I didn't know what it was going to be, and I was tired of waiting on the sidelines, so I got out there with this idea. And it, as I said on the trailer, it will evolve, and it has evolved. And so from time to time, uh, we get out of that mix and, and, and bring in people that I know or people that have some connection, some excuse for being on the show, and they're not named Dan. So anyway, that's where we are today, where we were last week, bringing back Jim Powell. This week, it only makes sense to connect the dots to uh, J.T. Thompson. Um, you'll have to forgive me here for not being as eloquent as I would like on the intro. I'm actually trying <laughs> to trim it up a little bit, but J.T. and I go back. I, I just cannot. Where does the time go? Over 30 right. years since we were little that's kids. Insane. Uh, yeah, how, are you, how are you doing today, man? Thanks for being on the show, and thanks for making time for this nonsense. Oh, thanks, man. Of course. I, I really appreciate you asking me, I'm on the show, or asking me to be on the show. It's a real pleasure, and um, I'm honored to be here. I want to congratulate you on 29 episodes, man. That's huge. I'm real proud of you. That's an amazing accomplishment, so kudos to you. Um, yeah, man, I, I've uh, known you and your family for years and years and years. Um, 
grew up together and went to school together, college together, and worked together in the past. It's been, um, you know, a very, very long history there. So it's just, it's really great to, to be here and talk to you. And um, I'm just very excited about the opportunity. And I appreciate it. It is a, uh, a, a real pleasure. Uh, I try to stay. I try try to stay away from saying, "Oh, we got a real treat for you here today." I feel like we, we <laughs> you hear that everywhere. Uh, oh, right. folks, we got a real treat for you this afternoon. JT Thompson on the show, but JT, I think I've known you since um, since Taylor Swift was born. If 1989 wow. is the year that she was born, and that she's got a record named 1989, I think we were around that period of of the late eighties, fourth grade, fifth grade. And yeah, then, that sounds about right. Uh you and my brother Rob were childhood friends. And then, you know, we kinda whizzed through the high school years and we, we found ourselves reunited again um in our, our college days, early two thousands, the kind of the blur period. Uh mm-hmm. Mellow Mushroom Pizza Bakers. That was a fun time. Yeah, that was just a great, that was a great time to be young and alive. Um, I just remember I was, I had kind of drifted out of college and through college and into college. And there was a handful of us that I wouldn't say that we were not um, go-getters, but we just, I I think that at least for my, I can only speak for myself. I didn't have a clear focus of what I wanted to do with the rest of my life after high school. So I I tell people I got my four-year degree on the 10-year program, but I feel like I was with some kindred spirits at Mellow Mushroom in that regard, but um, you know, we just kind of found ourselves there and we weren't quite kids, but we really weren't quite adults. And it was just really a magical time of my life where I felt like the world was my oyster and just anything could happen. And I was, uh, I just considered it a real special time. It was just one of those things where if you've ever had a work experience where you're with other like-minded people and you kind of click and gel, it was really, a lot of people develop close friendships and people we still talk to to this day. It was just really a, really a special time in my life. And I look at it fondly and of course, working there with you and Jim and Dave and a bunch of other people. I mean, there's a huge list of people that I, I still talk to and hang out with from, from those days. But yeah, it was just, it was just a great time to be alive. It was a real special time in my life. And uh, I got a lot of fond memories of that, including, you know, reconnecting with everybody. And, you know, you, you have that experience with people and those memories with people where, you know, I've known you since elementary school and then middle school and high school and college and now in adulthood and everything. It's like, I really, as I get older, I'll be 46 in July. I, I, try and appreciate all the seasons of life as they come but it's nice when you get to talk to somebody and kind of go down memory lane and talk about things and tell stories and and whatnot it's just it's really really good it's one of those one of those things about life that i really enjoy in my older years or getting getting older years i guess i'm still still technically in middle age but um i feel a little older every day maybe (laughs) (laughs) i can relate there um yeah back in those days we were in our kind of mid-20s and it felt like we were around uh, a similar, like you said, kindred spirits. Sometimes when you're, you're 26, you're not doing the same thing that, that sky high achievers at 20, 21, 22 years old are doing and shooting for. You're just kind of not really sure yet, but you know that you've got, there's something there, but you haven't figured it out yet. And you're not particularly in a, a big rush to figure it all out either. You're just, I felt like we were enjoying the moment. Sure. Yeah, I know. Trying to trying to shake it all out, I guess. Yeah, there, there's a lot of ways to there's a lot of ways to approach life and tackle life, and uh, you know, I God bless the people that have it all figured out and know exactly what they want to do, and they have a very defined path. But I was never really one of those people, 
and I kind of drifted from thing to thing and, and trying different stuff. And I, I was going to college when we were working in Mullen Mushroom. Most of us were in college or some sort of um, grad school or something like that. But I really, I still didn't know really what I wanted to do. But I like, it's kind of like you said, looking back at it now, I'm, I wouldn't trade the way that my, you know, my 20s and 30s shook out for anything in the world because I really felt like I squeezed all the juice out of that fruit. You know, there, there's a lot of life to be lived out there. And, and, you know, again, I'm not, you know, saying anything bad about anybody that goes to school and goes right to college and then starts working. But I feel like, you know, I was able to, to live a lot of life and we were able to live a lot of life. And we did a lot of things, man, like that. You know, I, I really feel like I lived every bit of my youth that I could because I didn't just go right to, if I'd have gone right to, to college out of high school and gotten right into a job, I would have missed out on all these things that I did. I mean, I, I did kind of, I was kind of a ship without a rudder for a little bit there, but those experiences and those times in my life, you know, I, I kind of waited what people might call a failure to launch. Um, but one person's, you know, bad experience is another person's joy. So I think it was just a fantastic time to be around, like I said, a, a group of people that were kind of doing the same thing. It was just really, really good the way that we all kind of clicked and bonded. Is, isn't it wild? Like now present day, someone walks into your shop and they've never met you before, and they probably just think, wow, he's been doing this for years. This is, uh, this is his brand. This is JT. And they just have no—nobody uh, really thinks, you know, here we are, 2024. If you're—I I, kind of want to speak to some people listening. If you're ashamed or you think that, man, it should have been a little more uh, straight and narrow back there in 2012 or 2014 when I was screwing around— the people aren't judging you about that stuff. There's always a chance to kind of reinvent yourself and just sometimes lay back and float and try to do the right thing, and you'll wind up in the right place. And uh, so I understand that you, when you did, when you graduated and got your degree in communications management, you took a job that was pretty well paying, and you felt like, oh, this feels like the right thing to do, but you weren't completely satisfied. Yeah, sure. So um, I'll I'll go. I'll start back a little bit further than that, if that's okay. I uh, I graduated high school in '97, and I in high school I originally had wanted to do what I'm doing now, which is um, I'm a barber, and I'd wanted to do that then. But my parents had kind of, as a lot of our parents in this age range did, they kind of urged me to go to college because that was kind of the path that their lives had taken. That's really all that they knew. And in '97, that was a very common thought that that's the next logical step in, in your progress. So I did go to college, but I would take time off and, you know, change majors a lot. And I would work a little bit here and there and do a bunch of stuff. And I really did enjoy getting into communications management. Um, and I would have, but, but if I'd have stayed in communications management, I probably would have stayed and gotten my master's and then my PhD in communications and become a professor and then taught and done research. But, you know, life has a weird way of taking you to places. So like you said, I, when I was getting ready to graduate, I applied for about 12 different jobs. I interviewed for six. I was offered three, and I ended up taking because I had student loans and needed to catch up on some debt. I took the one that was the money, and that ended up being something that was completely unrelated to what my degree was in, but I ended up staying with that company and kind of moving up the ranks and into several different jobs over the course of about four years. So um, around the four-and-a-half-year mark, I decided, I, or you know, a little sooner, I was ready to go, and so I wanted to get into a job that I thought I would actually be using my degree and I'd be doing some sort of like writing or something creative, which is really what I wanted to do. And I went to work at a publishing company 
under the guise of working, selling ads, but eventually being able to move into a creative capacity. So I did that for a while and I realized very quickly that it was just kind of a, for lack of a better way to say it, a boiler room type of situation where there really wasn't any light at the end of the tunnel. And so this was around the time that my, um, my daughter, my second daughter was born. So we got two girls we're 12 and 14. Now they were much younger then, but at the time childcare for two children was more than our mortgage. So I elected to go back to bouncing and, um, and cooking and bartending and, stayed home with them during the day for two years and then I would work in the late afternoons and evenings. So I did that for a while. And then after that, I kind of got hired out to another, I wouldn't, they were going to elementary school. I got into another job, basically working as an operations manager for a company. And then I got hired away from there to be an operations manager for another company and did that for two years. And that was about the time that I realized that I wanted to go back kind of to how I felt in the nineties when I wanted to be a barber. So in my late thirties, I came home and told my wife that I was sick of kind of going from job to job and not knowing what I wanted to do and that I wanted to give this a try and that I would hope that she would support me and be understanding. And I went and talked to the local barber in my neighborhood and about being a barber. And I went to the school where I was thinking about going and talked to the owner there. And so I kind of tried to make the most educated moves that I could before I just completely jumped ship. But what it ended up happening was I went to barber school and I got out and I started working at a shop and after about six months there, I went to another shop and then really the, the women that owned that shop kind of took me under their wings and showed me what really being a working barber is like and how to make a career out of it and how to make it work. And I worked there for two and a half years and then my family relocated and I worked at another shop in um, Dothan for three years. And the owner of that shop, again, kind of like showed me what it was like to own a shop and how to be a good owner and how to be cognizant of what you're doing. And um, I tried to learn from both of those people that had been in the business for longer than me. And then when we moved back to Birmingham about six months ago, I went back to the shop I was working at before we left and ended up buying it. So uh, I've been in the industry for coming up on, I guess, eight or nine years now. And it was not an easy decision in terms of feeling like exactly kind of what you were talking about, that you have this education, you have this thing that you're doing and you're really kind of having to reinvent the wheel where you have a family situation and a construct where everything is going through these motions and you have things depending on you. But um, I'm very thankful to my wife and children uh, for understanding what I was after and what I wanted to do and having the faith in me and belief in me enough to realize that I could make that work. And it's been just the, the greatest thing um, that's ever happened. You know, I, I say it's it's better late than never. And like you said, it's never too late to figure out what you want to do or to make a change. And I did it um, at almost 40. And if, if I can do it, that means that anybody can do it if you have, you know, the right systems around you. And again, enough belief in yourself and what you're doing. If you have enough passion about it, you can pretty much make anything work, I think. You're absolutely right on that level. And I like what you said about your rock, your wife, Olivia, being there to support you, that's that's so huge for people that are trying to follow their dreams, and they're also trying to uh, support their family. At the top of the episode, I probably was thinking, how do I bill JT here? JT the barber, uh, JT my friend, JT the coast and drive... Jim's going to be upset here, but the driving force behind the Gimme 10 podcast. <laughs> but we're kind of talking about it. It's multiple hats here, but jtthebarber.com. This will all be in the show notes, but I wanted to put it at the top of the episode. Folks, you can also find him on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, for yeah, those I, think pages. It's, I think it's 
Facebook.com forward slash JT Cuts Hair. And then on Instagram, because JT the Barber was taken, that my actual Instagram handle is JT the Barber, D-O-T-C-O-M. So the dot com is spelled out. Now, so let's get to it here. Uh, just present day in the shop. This is, I was thinking about this this morning. Everybody remembers, especially if you're a, a guy at seven years old, eight, nine, you know, up to 10 or 11 or 12, what it was like when you went to the barbershop at that age, when you, your dad, your mom would take you on those Saturday afternoons. Uh, JT, are you, how exciting is it for you when that kid walks in and he's excited to see you because, you know, I mean, you, compared to the average person you've got, I, I would say you're, you're a brand, you know, you have a likeness, you've got an image and you're kind of cool for kids. I think if they walk in, it's like, well, there's JT, <laughs> there, you know, and there's the guy in the sign or on the bumper sticker. Um, yeah. How much of that is just really rewarding for you to make make it fun for them? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's it's absolutely the best feeling in the world. And when I first wanted to be a barber when I was younger, it was kind of exactly what you're talking about. Like when I went to the barber shop, there was just a bunch of um, men and kids cutting up and having a good time and just hanging out. And like it was all, like, you know, you always got a sucker or some chewing gum or something when you got done and like the barber always knew your name and asked you like, you know, how baseball was going or whatever. And like, you felt special and like, you looked good when you left, you had a little spring in your step. And like at the center of that universe, there were people that were making a living doing that and being that every day. And so I really held on to that for a kid. I just thought that was just the coolest thing in the world. And also there was something that was just very uniquely manly and strong about a barbershop and a barbershop experience. It was just kind of something that was almost um, clandestine or, or like a part of a secret world that, that was for men, you know, and I, and I, that really resonated with me when I was, when I was young. And so as an adult, I really knew that I wanted to do something where I was working with people because I really do genuinely love people and love talking to people and getting to know people. And I love relationships and, and all of that, but also working with my hands and then, part of kind of what you're talking about is trying to recreate that feeling that I had when I was a kid and not just with, you know, children whose hair I cut, but with also adults I cut. And it's such a wonderful two-way street because when I, when I look at my schedule and I see, Oh sweet. Like, you know, this guy's coming in on Thursday and I can't wait to ask him about his car or his trip to California or whatever it is. And then like you really start to make these great, friendships with people and build the sense of community around the people that come to see you. And um, it's really just a blessing to be able to do what I do because it is, it's what is important to me and what I like. And I'm, I'm not, it's not lost on me that people wake up every day and go to a job that they hate and grind it out and just suffer through it 40 hours a week or more. And like, I really enjoy like waking up in the morning and like go to the shop and like walking in the door and like looking at the place and like, see, like, I mean, we, we, the shop's been there since 1967. All of the barber chairs are super old. I mean, they still have the ashtrays in them. It's just a very, like this, just an old wrought iron magazine rack. It's just like your very classic old school barbershop. And I just really, I count my blessings about being able to go there every day and do that and do it with the people that I do and the people that, that um, I call my customers and friends. It's just, it's so rewarding. And it's the same thing with kids. Like when a kid comes in and you like remember his name or remember what he's into, or you ask him about how something went, it really is like you get that little glimpse of him feeling special and having that little burst of self-esteem and self-worth. And that's a wonderful feeling. And some of the old guys too, they may have lost their wife or their 
don't really have a lot of people to talk to. They, they probably really look forward to that day on the calendar where they get to go sit in your chair and yuck it up. For sure, yeah. Yeah, we, we've got a couple guys that uh, – well, okay, so there, there's one guy that comes into the barbershop every single day. Um, his name is Lynn Thrash. He was the second owner of the barbershop. He sold the shop to um, the, the owner previous to me, and he still has his own key. He comes every morning and eats breakfast at the hot dog stand across the street, and then he comes and lets himself in, and he'll just stay there for an hour and a half or whatever and just talk to everybody, and then he leaves. And that's just because of the fact that, you know, for such a long time, that's been his his um, his place, you know. So he's, that still resonates with him. I mean, he's in his 90s, and every day he comes in and everybody sees him, and he's just – He's a lot of fun. He tells funny jokes and he's got a real big personality and I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that he's still a part of the shop, but um, you know, kind of to, to what you're saying, there's some other people that come in every week and sometimes they come in between haircuts. And I think it's kind of what you're talking about. It's almost like you've got this cheers kind of vibe where, you know, if you come there long enough, people know who you are and they recognize you. And even if it may not be your customer, you know that person and you know kind of like what they're going through or what they've been through or what's happening in their life. And, you know, again, there's just not many places I know of that are, that are like that. So um, I do think that holds a special place for, for people. And then, like you said, I mean, that's, that's some people's only social interaction. You know, there's, there's one guy that comes in, he comes in every week to get his haircut. He has no family in town, never married, doesn't have any kids, doesn't have any friends around. I mean, I, I literally think that, like you said, I think coming to the barbershop is probably the social highlight of his week. I wanted to call out a couple reviews too. So, folks, if you live in Birmingham, if you're if you travel on your way up to Nashville through Birmingham, you need to stop and get a haircut. By all means, stop in the Village Inn and see JT. But a couple reviews here, JT. Fantastic value for the money. A great neighborhood vibe. Good music and conversation and clean space. JT is a master at attention to detail and takes his time with every customer. That's one. And then JT is prof- is professional, down-to-earth, fun to talk to, and goes out of his way to answer questions. Highly recommended. Um, a lot of feedback here on the page, and that's got to make you happy, too, that you're making a difference there. Yeah, I mean, again, I think of where I am in my career and my brand and everything that that is is – really a culmination of my life experience over not only going to college, but working in various fields and doing different things. I think that you really learn about what customers want and what people want and how you should do things and how you shouldn't do things. And, you know, when I think about bad experiences I've had in places, I try and do the opposite of what that was. And I think that it's really kind of amazing if you give people a little bit and you give people a little bit more how much more that pays off and how much people do appreciate that you know I, I was gone I moved out of Hoover for three years and when I was coming back to town I sent out a bunch of emails and of course did social media posts to reach back out to my customers and it's amazing how um, after three years so many of my customers came back and I'm just really so thankful for that and um, I, I think again I'm not trying to toot my own horn but I think that really speaks to the experience that people have when they come to the shop and when they come and get a, get a haircut. And it just, it just means a lot to me that, that people um, feel that way. And, you know, I've been very lucky on social media groups and kind of, you know, I, I do, I do think it's important that if you're building a brand and you're trying to have something, you don't just 
you know, if you're a restaurant, you can't post every picture of food or um, anything like that. I mean, you have to break it up and you have to decide kind of what your brand is and what you want yourself to be and how you want to face toward the world. And that's super important when you're, when you're looking at a business or when you're building a brand, you know, you have to think about that. And like my personality, I think that, that having some humor and having some things that are funny and silly and lighthearted kind of matches who I am and it matches the experience when you come to the barbershop. So it's, it's totally on brand. But again, if you're, you know, if you're running a spa or something like that, you might not be fortunate enough to be able to show that side of yourself. But um, for, for me, it totally works. But that's, you know, again, that's part of what I wanted my brand to be. Well, we could talk about um, JT the barber and uh, I could spend another episode. We, Look, let's not kid ourselves. I've got to. I talked to you before we got started on the call here. I got to catch you up with Jim. So I'm not saying I'm bringing you right back in two weeks, but uh, we got to get a little, <laughs> a little uh, horse race going here, or whatever you call it. Get you oh up, yeah, get man. You well, like three. There, you, there you go. Well, we. I mean, we. The whole podcast thing and the give me ten thing is almost a whole nother conversation. You know, it's having having a, a podcast and as you know after almost 30 episodes man it's uh it takes on a life of its own at some point and um it's just so much fun to do man i understand why every uh, why, why there's so many podcasts out there because having and doing a podcast is so fantastic so much fun on that end let's i i should have said this with jim but you guys really should take a victory lap a bow <laughs> um 134 total episodes to give me 10 you did, I think that's right, about 124 before the reboot. And people um, you know, understand something with podcasts. I consider everything to be a project unless you're Mark Marin or Joe Rogan or some of the just established podcasters. My goal, I've never stated it, this is the first time I'll say, but is 52 episodes. So that's one episode a week for a year. That's wow. always been my goal. So if I get to August, whatever it will be, episode 52 and i'm satisfied that might be the end of dan time might be wow but wow. um you know as well as i do that it's a lot more than just plugging in a mic and talking and having a good time with the guest it's a, a little bit of work and a little bit of strategy and scheduling and uh, and yeah. having especially with um a co-host having something to talk about that you both want to sink your teeth into where could I go with this? I just, first of all, I want to say thanks for what you put out there, the body of work. Folks, well, Thank you. real quick here, I mentioned this way back, I think on episode number one with Jim, some of the the, the topics that you dived into. Um, <laughs> baby paraphernalia, pizza, right. <laughs> pizza sandwich, french fries, uh, the birthdays episode, maybe my all-time favorite. Um, oh, wow, that's a good one. A lot of movies, the potpourri episodes, the fly-on-the-wall stuff, just hilarious. And wrestling, I think you guys are kind of hanging out on the sidewalk, singing uh, the, you know, <laughs> the yeah. opening Yeah, I think that was one of the episodes we did during COVID, so we were outside <laughs> six feet apart. So there's probably, like, real cricket noises in the background, not like yep. fake piped-in crickets, but, um, you know... It, it, we did the podcast during a very interesting time and in a bunch of different ways. And it's kind of like what you're talking about, about having an idea and a concept. We, we had a very clear concept when we started Give Me Pen. And I had just told Jim 
what that concept was and he was on board from day one and much like you and I, we've known each other for so long. It's just talking to each other is very easy and comes so naturally that, uh, you know, him and I, it's kind of insane. Like the only difference between before Gimme 10 and after Gimme 10 was like, we put a microphone in the room. Like that's typically what Gemini's life when we hang out is. It's just like, we're just hanging out and like talking about silly stuff and, going over different things and just talking about, you know, talking about whatever, man. And we did, we just happened to put a mic in the room and put a time limit on it at the beginning. Um, but that, that was really, that's really all it was, man. And I think if you have the right people doing the right stuff, talking about the right things, man, you can catch that lightning in a bottle pretty easily. There's just some, some beautiful, I don't, that's not even the right word, but just some, it's, it's elegant and it's unrefined quality. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I just love every bit of it, and I, I encourage everyone. Even though it's the final episode, we've we've reached the end, the the yeah. the actual end. The second end, ending number two. <laughs> you're gonna love it if you've got ten minutes, twelve minutes, fourteen minutes to drive somewhere, and you're kind of stressed, and you're going to a meeting, or you're just you're whatever you're having one of those days. Put on a Gimme Ten episode about pizza sandwich or party foods and have a laugh for a second get yourself together it's awesome stuff jt and i well, so thank you thank you for doing that um i got a few little wacky questions here i promised you about 30 minutes and in true dan time fashion oh, we are at about 33 minutes here um okay well let's get let's li- a lightning round i'm in okay <laughs> all right what what are your thoughts when you're on the phone, you got to reach out to technical support, and they're helping you with some kind of some kind of issue with your computer or your internet. And does this bother you? Some people don't even care, but my, Travis, uh, this grates on him. You're talking to your, that representative, and they they start getting into that whispery, gravelly voice, and they say like, "Hmm, let's see here. Um, hmm. uh, hang on a second, Jake." Uh, Sorry, my computer's uh, acting up right now. Hmm, let me see. Um, is that a problem for you? Or are you okay with that when you're on the line with somebody? No, I, I listen, I don't care. I think um, humans and human nature is one of the most fascinating things about about life and examining that. And as somebody that's kind of like an amateur anthropologist, I think that things like that and little quirks and stuff that people have are, are really, really funny. And it's also really funny too, when you have one that you don't know about and somebody points it out to you. Like I was, I'm really bad or was really bad for a while about when I was about to tell a story or try and make a point, I would say, listen, and then pause and then say whatever I want to say. So example, I would say, listen, I'm going to tell you about blah, 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 blah. And so people around me started like when we would be in a conversation, they'd say, listen, and then they would say whatever. I'm like, oh, you're mocking me. That's great. And like, I think that's so funny. So when people do that, um, and that may be kind of a, you know, as somebody who's worked in call centers and telemarketing and all kinds of stuff like that, that may be more a symptom of the fact that you're in a room with 30 people who are all talking to somebody that you whisper or get quiet like that. But no, I mean, I, I, I don't think that's, it doesn't bother me at all. That's not one that gets under my skin. There are things that get under my skin, but that's not one of them. What about, let me place you on a brief hold. What is your idea of a brief hold versus their idea? Uh, I, I say a brief hold is two minutes or less, but anytime somebody tells me they're going to put me on a brief hold, I'm expecting eight to ten. Right. <laughs> um, 
Would you like to stay on the line and take a brief survey after this call? What's your usual answer to that? <laughs> it depends on if the if the rep was genuinely a nice person and they did a good job and they went out of their way to help me. I'll do the survey to try and help them out. But if they were just if it was just a dumpster fire of a phone call, I'm not staying on it any longer than I have to. Okay, switching gears here. Um, a few '90s bands that you would have loved to have seen just one more record from. Four non blondes, sure. and you can pick more than one. Four non blondes. Okay. Blind Melon, Jeff Buckley, unfortunate there, we didn't get more music from him, New Radicals, Lauren Hill, any of those? Yeah, I'm going to actually say, I'm going to strike Four Non Blondes because I can't think of the name, of, like her name, but the singer from that band is actually a really prolific songwriter who had a very big career in music, though not as a front woman, but there's a lot of songs that she has writing credit or co-writing uh, credit on, so... Um, Jeff Buckley, definitely super huge talent. That's a really good one. What were the other ones again? Oh, um, Blind New Radicals. Melon. Yeah, I mean, Blind, Blind Melon, I think I was not a big Blind Melon fan. Not that I want, wanted something bad to happen to him, but the New Radicals, I think that, um, what was their big, you get what you give or whatever? Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think that's probably one of the most perfectly crafted pop songs of all of pop, the history of pop music. I mean, the, if you take and break down that song and how it works and like the song structure and the melodies and everything. I mean, that's, that's about as close to a perfectly crafted pop song as you can get. Now he also has some songwriting credits to his name. So he continued to work though, not under the new radicals, but there's another band that I really liked that had a, a really, really good record. And they um, were kind of made famous by Beavis and Butthead or kind of they had their 15 minutes because of Beavis and Butthead, but a band called nude swirl, which made kind of like an experimental rock record in the nineties. The song that was on Beavis and Butthead was a song called F Sharp, and I really have always enjoyed that song, and it's such a great album. I would have loved to have had more, more output from them. Wow. What else, I, who else was in there? I had Lauren Hill, and I'm surprised. Gosh, oh. we all remember that time period, the late 90s. I mean, we're, we're plugged in, and uh, that was a huge record. Yes. Mm -hmm. The Miseducation. Yeah, Yep, it was. Uh, unfortunately, the Lauren Hill Unplugged was an absolute disaster. I don't know if you've ever listened to that that release it was really bad but yeah i would i would have liked for her to do more i mean i thought she was phenomenally talented that record was a really good record um, i think we we all should have gotten more out of her and yeah, for sure i understand that you're which is rare for guys our age but you're usually or you're still on the cusp of new music do you have a band or a solo artist or somebody that you would like to plug i do listen to a ton of new, new music i mean I, I talk to people all day long a living and so i'm fortunate that i hear people talk about bands and talk about things um but one of, one of the bands i really enjoyed lately which is kind of like modern experimental rock or metal is a band called uh, pure reason revolution they've got a couple records that are really great and good to listen to and then i there i mean some of the other bands that i really like i would say are not an, an unknown but i really like idols they released a new record this week um I, Another band from a few years ago that has a, that's been out of the limelight for a while, MGMT. They have a new record out. Both of those are really good records to listen to. But um, you know, in terms of in terms of the other stuff, I would say probably Pure Reason Revolution. Um, also, a guy named uh, Charlie Griffiths. I think his the album is Tikla Lika is a fantastic progressive metal record. If you haven't listened to that, if you're a fan of progressive metal, that's a must listen to. Okay, and finally, and this is a real oddball one, but I think it was. You guys discussed this on one of the old episodes of Gimme 10. JT, you remember going back to 1989, 
and that talk, 1990 or so. Hot and Now, the fast food, mm. the ill-fated fast food chain Hot and Now. Um, I did some quick research before our call today. There is one franchise. I, don't, I guess it's not a franchise. There's one Hot and Now in existence in Michigan. What are your thoughts when you think back on those 39-cent hamburgers, 49-cent cheeseburgers? I, one thing I want to say here is that I look at it this way. They didn't lie to you. They didn't say – they said it was going to be no. hot. They said it was going to be ready right away. They did not promise anything about taste, so they didn't lie to you. <laughs> uh, my, well, my first, my first question is when are we making our pilgrimage to Hutton now? Like when are we going to get in the car and go? Because I'm in. I'm, I'm such a – I'm such a hot and now devotee. I feel like that in the time period when hot and now was on the scene, it was also like when Taco Bell was this dirt. Like if you walked into Taco Bell with $20, you came out with stock options. Like it was just, it was that time period in our lives where you could just like, we were young and poor and we needed to, you know, we needed cheap tacos and cheap hamburgers. And literally like you couldn't get the order out of your mouth fast enough. It's like you, it's almost like you can just skip the speaker and go right to the window and they're just going to, hand you a bag of food and you'd give them $5 and get a lot of change back. And you'd, like you said, you'd just like, well, this, I guess this is a hamburger. And my favorite thing about hot, my, my, my favorite thing about hot now is like, it was the, the opposite of Burger King. Like you couldn't have it your way. If you're like, I don't want pickles. They're like, no, hot now just like pull around. They're like, you know, I don't want, yeah, I don't want ketchup. Like, no, it's tough. If you're getting a burger and it's like you said, it's 39 cents, like either come get it or don't like, I don't care. Like you're either hungry or you're not. Do you have $2? Take this or don't, I, we don't care. It's hot now or, or leave. <laughs> so yeah, I'm a huge, was, I'm a huge fan. Was, I think that there has to be, there has to be a balance. It's like, I think if, um, if you look at Burger King and have it your way, there has to be, has to be a hot now. There has to be something to balance the equation. And I almost feel like other than not getting what you want or being able to make substitutions, it's kind of like that hot now was kind of that, that, that it was the Taco Bell of, or hamburger of Taco Bell, that kind of, kind of the same thing. If there was a, a hamburger equivalent of fast food Mexican. It was just like, it's just cheap and easy and quick. And you get it now. It's like, you can feed your whole family for $8. You know, it's just, it's, it was magic. I'm such a fan. I wish I, I wish there was one closer. I'd be there. Like I literally just, like you're pulling pocket change out of the sofa and you're going to eat like a king. <laughs> it's perfection. I mean, it really and truly is hot. And now anybody mm -hmm. can deliver on those two promises I mean, it's exactly. Gonna, and yeah, maybe the one thing that people could argue about, they pull up and they say, well, this is kind of warm. Well, we'll heat it up for you. Now it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. That, you notice they didn't call the chain hot now and delicious. They're like, oh, no. Truth in advertising. We're not going to say that. You know, I mean, I, if, if they wanted to expand on the name, they really could have said hot now and barely edible, but they didn't. I think they made a good marketing decision there. It was very wise to just go with hot now. But yeah, so Pepsi acquires hot now, places it under Taco Bell's operations, and it all goes downhill from there. So they, of course, we got to ruin a good thing. But I don't know why I wanted to land on that one, but that was a great finish, JT. So much more That's I want to get one. into with you, but as we know, there's no way that you're not coming back for a second episode if you're so willing. Oh, of course. Like I, Dan, this has been an absolute <laughs> pleasure. It was really good to talk. I had so much fun, and um, it was just really enjoyable. And again, congrats on 29 episodes. I would be happy to come back anytime if you would have me. 
How about next week? No. Uh, <laughs> let's do back to back. Right. Yeah. We're, we're, we're marathoning it. Can't stop us now. No, no, I'll, I'll come back anytime. I really, I appreciate the opportunity. It's been a real blast. And I, I thank you for asking me on and for, um, you know, for letting me talk about the things that I'm passionate about and, and my work and, um, and what I do in my story. It's, um, I, I just, I thank you. It's, it's a great opportunity. I appreciate you giving me a platform to share. Well, thank you, JT. You are making a big difference out there for for men of all ages, boys of all ages. And, you know, those little kids, they love the guy time stuff. It's just a little quick 30 minutes out of their day. They've been at school. They've been having to just do all this shuttling around. And you just know when they enjoy stuff like that, just being around some of the guys and having and you make it fun for them. And folks, go check out JT on Instagram. Go to the website. And remember, if you get something out of this episode and you're 36 years old and you're still doing something that's not really the fire in the belly for you you're not too old even if you're 47 no um no keep thinking about it keep uh maybe put a little plan together and uh get your partner on board and it can be done so yeah never uh, never give up on your dreams never that's right well you guys have a great week and next week we're back with another dan the first one i think since maybe dan Wine rib, Dan Brody, but um, you guys enjoy your week and be good to each other, and we'll see you next Sunday on the Dan Time Podcast. Thank you, JT. Great to talk to you again. It's been 20, is it, I don't know, almost 20 years. Feels like yeah, yesterday. Yeah, it does, <laughs> man. Well, thank you. It's, it's been a real pleasure. The pleasure's all mine. Thank you. All right, buddy. Find and like Village Inn Barbershop on Facebook. They've been serving the Birmingham area since 1967. They do men's cuts, beard trims, women's and kids cuts. And visit jtthebarber.com or connect with them on the social media channels. Want to give a quick shout to my dad, who I believe listens occasionally. He he kind of cherry picks the episodes that maybe are more appealing to him versus others uh maybe he listens to all of them i don't know but uh my dad has been a customer of jt's and dad i just want to say thanks for listening to the dan time podcast i appreciate you my friend my father as a listener